Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello everyone and welcome to the 10th episode of Believe in the Long Run podcast series. I'm your host, Dominic Santina. As we record this, it is April 28th, 2020. So will come out tomorrow, Wednesday, April 29th. We'd like to once again thank Coach Loftel for taking time out of his day to sit down with us last week and talking about his coaching experience at the high school and college ranks, making a few different stops at Lake Superior State, Lake Erie, and now Wayne State University. So thank you, Coach Loftel, for your time and consideration there. Once again, we also want to hit about our social media. Our Instagram continues its climb. As we find more followers each week, you can find us at Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and on Twitter at the Long Run 5. And you can like, share, comment, and if you really like the podcast series, subscribe to any of our podcast platforms that is Spotify, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Play, and of course the Believe.com webpage. While you're there on any of our social media, we welcome you to comment any questions or anything you'd like to hear about the upcoming podcasts as well. And with that being said, we'll get into our warm-up session of our 10th episode. We're going to preview some races that I've found. These are not your standard races, though. These are, of course, virtual races since we are in all-in-quarantine or As some of the country starts to get restarted, maybe we'll start to see some actual races coming back here soon. But I've mentioned a couple of these races, and I just want to re-hit on them. They're ones that I've seen. There is essentially one more day for the chance to enter the virtual 5K New York Road Runners, April 15th through the 30th. You can complete the race as many times as you want and you will receive a badge on your Strava profile. Entry is free, but there are options to donate to the COVID-19 relief efforts, and you can purchase your entry into the Brooklyn Half Marathon as well. The link to that is on our social media pages. Once again, at Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and the Long Run 5 on Twitter. The other one, too, is Running Fit Virtual 5K which is going on April 26th through May 2nd. So if you missed out on the New York Road Runners Virtual 5K, you still have time to enter the Running Fit Virtual 5K. This one is free, and all you have to do to enter is post your time on social media and use the hashtag RunningFitVirtual5K, and you have a chance to win a $20 gift certificate They will be awarded to people with the most creative course, the best costumes, most likes, and most tags on your social media posts. Everyone that enters will be entered for a chance to win a free pair of Hoka shoes as well. So a good grand prize going out there as well to anyone that enters the Running Fit Virtual 5K. Now, if these two don't interest you, I also found a website today. It's called virtualrunningevents.com. They have tons of different virtual races that you can go sign up and enter, and they're all laid out by the month. So you can go check those out and find yourself a race to keep yourself intrigued and kind of you can keep yourself motivated during these times and keep yourself running by signing up for one of these virtual races. 
and have something to strive for. Also, if you're not looking into getting into a virtual race, you can also sign up for the Step Challenge. Desi Linden is sponsoring that one. That continues until May 30th, but you must register before April 30th because your straps, your steps can only be tracked back by a month. So it goes for two months where you have to enter so that way they can kind of bank up your steps that you use in the month of April. So now that we've got through some races and competitions to keep you active and motivated during this quarantine time, we're going to introduce another guest here this week. We're going to welcome our fifth guest to the podcast. And this one's going to be a little bit different. So we've had three runners and a coach on our podcast so far. This is another runner, but he wasn't a collegiate runner. His name is Zach Sayre. He is an ultra runner, and he comes from Traverse City, Michigan, and works at the Running Fit store location in Traverse City. And a week and a half ago, during April 17th and 18th, Zach Sayre set out to do something pretty crazy and he'll tell us about it during the interview but Zach started in Cadillac Michigan and ran to essentially Grand Rapids Michigan along the White Pine Trail that is 93 miles long and he'll tell us all about that story and more but in total he ran a hundred miles on the day and he had a Garmin link that he posted and it was his work at Running Fit shared it on their social media. I put it up on our story on Instagram so people could follow along. And it was pretty interesting to see how his progress was doing. And he pulled off a surprise mile at the end. So we'll get into the story right now. Let's welcome Zach Sayre to our podcast. How long have you been running? So I started running almost six years ago. My junior year in high school, I decided to switch from soccer to running. So I played soccer for probably over a decade. And then I just decided one day that I wasn't really interested in it anymore. So I had run a couple road races, maybe two or three, prior to starting cross country my junior year and found a little success in that. So I just kind of went with what I thought might be interesting, and I knew a couple of kids on the team too, so it just kind of fell together. One night, I just made a switch pretty unceremoniously, but nonetheless, it was a pretty cool thing to just drop everything in that regard and then pick up something completely new. You ran this run, was it a week or so, almost two weeks ago now? Um, last Friday, so last... what would that be, 10 days just about? Yeah. What made you want to run that run that distance? So, prior to that, my longest run was 50 miles, which was last summer, which was an actual organized race. This wasn't an organized race, but I basically just decided that it would be kind of a fun endeavor to take on just because it was so daunting. I kind of like the, the whole aspect of not really knowing exactly if I'm going to fail or succeed and having to work through it as I go. I kind of like working through it on the fly and that's kind of why I'm drawn to ultras in the first place is just because there's no certainty necessarily on any given day. You can train as much as you want and it's really 
it's really hard to know if you're going to get the result you want on a good day, even if you've trained a lot or even if you are even going to finish. That's usually my goal going into any race. And luckily so far I have never DNF'd and I hope not to, but that's kind of my, I don't know, my drive behind it is just seeing how far I'm able to push my body. So was there a significant cause that you decided to do this for or was it just because you just decided to want to try it? So for this one, I just really wanted to try it. But in the future, my goal is to do similar things, maybe not quite as long, but at least while there's no races, official races going on, I'd like to do different challenges to try to raise money for different causes. But for this one, it was just just basically for, for me. And then I broadcasted my link, or my location, I should say, from my Garmin to a website, so people were able to follow me through that. Yeah, I followed it a little bit. How much training did you do before you decided to run this distance? So, I guess my training for it started, I would say, probably early January. It wasn't really on my radar, honestly, until I would say maybe mid-February or even early March. I had considered doing this in October and November, and then kind of had a small Achilles problem, so I pulled the plug on it and decided that it'd probably just be better to do it when I felt 100%. Um, but I was training for 50K, which got canceled. That was supposed to be actually the day after I did the 100-mile attempt. And so I had built a pretty big base up for that and basically just kept building mileage. And without really having the 100-mile goal in mind, I went for a mileage PR in a week and that was five weeks ago now and I just piled miles on I did I think yeah I did 150 miles that week and then the next week I did just over 100 and then the following week I did another 100 mile week and so after that I felt pretty confident in my legs and in my ability to be able to run 100 miles in a day obviously you never really know exactly how your body's going to respond when you put that much stress on it but I thought that if any training was sufficient, that definitely would have been. So I did one taper week and then went for it the next week. So it wasn't really planned until maybe two or three weeks in advance. And it just kind of came together in the end. So Yeah, for sure. That's a lot of training. Was there anything outside of running that you kind of had to prepare for? Like you're, you know, was there any water stops or anything that you kind of had to plan out so yeah that was that was a really big part of it i had my friend uh jonathan Alsip, who's another ultra runner he had actually done 100 last summer and so that was very helpful just to have his expertise on it because it's hard to really know what to expect when you're that far into a run because once i get past 50 i have no idea really what i'm doing except just one foot in front of the other, as simple as it sounds. But that's kind of what mindset you have to get into because it can seem pretty daunting to think of how much farther you have to go. So it, it definitely tones it down a bit when you have a simpler mindset like that. And then when you have someone else like Jonathan, in my case, who was able to just talk me through different situations and he kind of knew what I would need before I even knew I needed it. So he was telling me when to eat and drink and how much and 
so, some things like that. And a lot of it's trial and error based. So potentially what works for me might not work for him and vice versa. But luckily I stuck to a pretty simple plan of um, drinking 20 ounces of fluids an hour and then consuming about 250 calories an hour. So all in all, I think I consumed about eight or sorry, 4,000 calories throughout the whole run. Um, which was about what I was hoping to do to get through the next hour. And it's really important that you don't get behind um, in that. So it was really helpful for Jonathan. He would catch up with me every four to eight miles, I would say. So about every hour, depending on how fast I did those miles or how slowly. But he basically just had his car. And then in the back of his car, we laid out a bunch of food and clothing and, and different drinks and he had a roller and so I would just pull up to an aid station, basically our makeshift aid station out of his trunk and grab whatever I needed. He would refill my bottles and, and then I would get rolling again. So there were definitely times um, in the second half where I spent way too much time sitting in the chair than I would have liked. Because it's just, it's so easy to just not get back up once you sit down after you've been running for, you know, 12, 14 hours, however, however long it was at that point. And I found myself, and this was something that definitely I could improve on, was just sitting for too long. So rolling through the aid stations a bit quicker would have been beneficial. And maybe I could have even seen the sunset. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but... It's all a learning experience, so it was definitely, uh, I mean, I, I really couldn't have asked for a better day, I would say, in terms of weather, in terms of how my body felt, in terms of how everything went. So it uh, it just, it pretty much all went perfect to plan, as how I hoped. That's good. What was the reason between for running from Cadillac to Grand Rapids? Was that just something you planned out, or the easiest route, or? So... I guess my original intention of doing this was to establish an FKT, which is uh, the fastest known time on the White Pine Trail. And that's a 93-mile rail trail that goes from Cadillac to Comstock Park. So it finishes just north of Grand Rapids, but it's about 93 miles long. And so my, my original intention was to just set the FKT on that because no one had previously done it. So... Now people have something to chase. If <laughs> if anyone in the area that wants to run 100 miles, they can go after my time. And after a while, I didn't really have too much focus on the FKT. I was more focused on the 100 miles and just kind of accomplishing that. I felt like that was more of a personal accomplishment than setting an FKT because um, it just, I don't know, it means more to me. I'll probably remember that longer. And it was only establishing the FKT, so it's not like I took it from someone. Right. Um, so any time I would have run would have been sufficient just as long as I crossed that line. So, yeah, definitely the 100 mile became the forefront of my goal by that point. But, yeah, I, I originally did the run because of the FKT that I wanted to set. Okay. Just curious, was there any interesting stories or interesting moments that happened on your run? Or I guess there was, I don't know, it's it's still very much in the process in my mind. <laughs> I There's so much that happened during the day. It's kind of, because I, I was on my feet for 18 hours, so it was quite a long day. I started at 5 a.m., and 
pretty uneventful start. It was just me and Jonathan in Cadillac, and it was dark out, no one else around, so that was, and it was just like, all right, it's go time, and I just started jogging. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was very anticlimactic, but as I went, it was, it was, uh, as the sun came up, I got a lot of uh, motivation from that, and that was really exciting for me just to see the sunrise. It was, it was a beautiful sunrise, which, which for me is a big thing. I love watching the sunrise and sunsets and, and all that stuff as much as I can. So that was a really cool thing. It was, it was probably my first big pick me up. I was about mile 15, I would say. And then as I kept going, there was, there was a cool bridge in Reed city that I remember it was a covered bridge. And that was, that was one of my favorite parts. And then aside from that, there was in for about 30 of the miles it's unpaved and so the the reason for that i think is i saw a lot of horse tracks and and buggy tracks so i imagine that they use that trail for transportation instead of the roads through the center of the state so that was actually pretty cool to see just how used it was for so many different purposes but the finish was was pretty fun. My mom actually came out to that to the mile ninety three, I should say, and uh, watched me cross the quote unquote finish line after racing myself all day. <laughs> but it was uh, it was it was just a really cool experience. The whole day culminated in that one moment, and it was pretty emotional. Obviously, probably for my lack of sleep, but it was still I don't know. It was a lot of hard work to to come to that moment and. It was it was just a really really fun experience to share it with with some of those people and then it was also really fun to get the updates from people commenting my updates online that definitely motivated me a lot just knowing people were following me along and wanting me to succeed so they uh, they definitely kept me moving in in the times where it was really hard. So after running all those miles, your last mile, I believe, you were able to run a sub-seven-minute mile. How were you able to find the strength to do that? Well, yeah, I don't know. Honestly, I've been trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> um, I think that miles 95 through 99 were the hardest miles of the whole run. My left knee tightened up pretty good, and the top of my calf was just, it, it gave me a lot of lot of pain i don't think i've ever been in that much pain from my calf before and it was uh it was more of like a hobble than anything (laughs) there wasn't much running going on for those miles but for some reason i just kind of picked up my pace a tiny bit and somehow i imagine it loosened up my knee once i got into my actual running stride because before that i was basically just babying my knee i was too scared to bend it because it was just so painful so once I did get into a little bit of a stride I think it loosened up and it might have been adrenaline or I'm not even entirely sure what but it just all the pain kind of went away and I just crushed my last mile I almost got under six minutes so next time that'll be my goal (laughs) but it was uh it was pretty surreal to be able to do that I I still am kind of dumbfounded at the fact that I was able to run that for my 100th mile is yeah, definitely an interesting ending. I uh, definitely did not expect that. So you kind of maybe hinted at it. Would you consider doing it again? 100%. Yeah, I definitely would do it again. There's 
So I would say that's probably arguably the easiest way to run 100 miles. It was a net downhill. There wasn't a whole lot of hills in the first place. And it was just a really good introduction to 100 milers. So I'd definitely love to do a harder one with more elevation or at altitude or something like that. So that give, gives me an extra, you know, added challenge. Not that I necessarily need it, but it's something that I kind of crave just being an ultra runner is just that challenge and uncertainty because that's, I feel like how we grow the most is when we just push ourselves outside of our known limits and just see how far we can go before we can't. So I definitely am still trying to find that, that line that I can't cross, but I don't know. I, I feel like the more I do them, the more I find out that I'm capable of a lot more than I realize, um, which is kind of cool because then I just want to do more and more. So hopefully I never find where success ends, but that's kind of the fun in it all. It's just continuing to push and do more and more. But yeah, I definitely see myself doing more 100 milers and even longer. So there's a... Uh, there's like 24-hour races and 48-hour races and 200-mile races. So those are definitely definitely things that I'm considering just because I can, I guess. They sound appealing, so why not try them? So that kind of leads me into my next question. So road races, maybe not so much, but you've ran a lot of ultra, or at least a few ultras in the past then? Yeah, so I think official races, I've done six ultras. Five of those being in the 30 miles, so 50 to 55 kilometers, and then one of them was a 50 miler. And then I've done, I think I've done three official marathons, so two of those being road and one being trail, which actually a year ago today I ran that trail marathon, now that I think about it. Anyway, the, yeah, the the biggest... Or I should say, my favorite races have been the trail races. Although I haven't really dipped my toe into marathoning all that much. It's just a more regimented way of running. I like the free, the freeness of ultra running, I guess. And just the fact that it's more against yourself than anyone else. And in that sense, it's just, it's more, I, I feel like the people are there for more pure reasons. Just in the sense that they're not chasing a time or anything like that or making sure they hit splits. It's more just they want to be out in nature, and I think that really appeals to me. And the people that I've met through the races definitely appeal to me, and they're some of my best friends. So I just feel like I connect with the whole more of a nature, spiritual experience type thing, which you can still get from road races, but it's just not as strong. I feel like when you're just out in the woods, kind of just on your own, just you and a you know bottle of water or whatever you've got in your pack, on your back and that's kind of it when I mean, you've just got to make it to the next aid station i i like the the appeal of that and not really knowing exactly what's around the next turn like i did a race in canada last year and they made us wear a bell just in case there were bears and we carried a whistle it was it was a pretty cool experience just in it in just knowing that that possibly you know who knows what's going to happen out there but it was it was more fun because of that just uncertainty and that was probably the hardest race i've done that one was a 55k with 6,000 feet of climbing and so that one definitely did my legs in but just being out in the woods for so long 
basically seeing nobody was really cool. Only seeing aid stations maybe every hour. So, yeah, I, I like the appeal of trail races over road races, but I still enjoy road races because you still meet tons of awesome people. Like in Traverse City, where I live, there is the Traverse City Track Club, and it's a pretty big nonprofit that um, I've met almost all of my friends through who live up in Traverse City, and they put on tons of races, and most of them being road races, and it's a lot of fun to go to those and meet people and just connect with the community. And some of my best memories are from those races too, like the Cherry Festival and the Frozen Foot. So there's a lot of local races that are really cool that you can just kind of reach out into the community and meet tons of people. But also, luckily, in Traverse City, we have lots of trails. And I'm not sure if it's because of that or people come here for the trails, but there's a lot of trail runners and mountain bikers. And it's not hard to get trail runners to want to do an ultra because all you kind of have to do is just tell them they get to hang out in the woods for a couple more hours than their normal training run. And it's uh, it's a pretty easy conversation to kind of convince them to want to just hang out in the woods. Like there's not really any pressure. Whereas with a marathon, it seems more daunting because you're going for like splits and times. And with ultras, it's just like get to the finish line, just enjoy your time. So I, I like that a little bit more, um, much less stressful, but yeah, there's a, there's pros and cons to each of them, obviously. Yeah, for sure. That, that race in Canada definitely would keep you alert and on your toes, especially yeah. if you know there could be a bear around the corner. So. Right, right. <laughs> uh, one, one last question for you. You kind of hinted at future, what, what could be happening, but and immediately, what, what are your plans for running now? At the moment, I don't have any really big goals. I feel pretty recovered from the 100-miler. I've been doing a little bit of running since, but I, I feel like that was a pretty big goal on my list that I really felt like I knocked out of the park just by finishing it. I was pretty, uh, pretty ecstatic just to, to finish and get to that triple digit, but I've been thinking about maybe going after some shorter FKTs just around the state, just self-supported stuff that I can do on my own just with the current situation. So maybe not any more 100 milers in the near future, but I'm thinking of doing lots of trail running and hopefully just getting out in the woods and and knocking some FKTs out, getting some more miles. But I just kind of want to do, this is kind of my mentality going through all my training is just kind of doing it with the intention of making myself happy so if I don't want to run on a certain day I just won't but more days than not I like to run so it just I end up getting out the door getting out on the trails it's a lot easier when I have the trails to go to because I enjoy it a bit more so if I know that I can get out on a trail run then I'm much more eager to get out the door so that's kind of what I try to gravitate towards just because I know that's what will give me the most happiness so that's kind of what I revolve my running around is just making sure that I have the right intentions in mind for what I'm trying to do so yeah I just enjoy the process not try to do too much but also not kind of fall out of it I just want to keep the passion keep stoking the passion basically make sure I don't do too much that I don't enjoy it anymore but also just make sure I'm consistent with it because that's really the name of the game with running 
it's just consistency building up over years. And, uh, yeah, I think that this previous year, so 2019, was my biggest year of running, even though it wasn't my highest mileage. That's when I kind of really became a trail runner. And so I got really, really invested in trail running and started basing my runs on the amount of vertical feet I climbed instead of distance. So my training philosophy kind of trained in that sense, or sorry, changed in that sense. It just kind of flipped from, I still wanted to hit mileage, but it wasn't as big of a factor. It was more of trying to get the, whether it was hills or whether it was just going out on trails and doing loops or whatever the case, I I trained more with the intention of climbing and getting as much vert as I could just to build your legs up and just make them stronger because I found that trail running works almost every muscle in your legs and it's pretty different than road running because there's so much more unevenness and so the first like month or two of trail running that I did was very difficult um I was pretty much sore the whole time but as I built up I've become a much stronger runner and I think I'm a better road runner for it too because I have so much more strength in my legs just from the trails so it didn't necessarily build speed but it built a lot of strength in my legs which i definitely have benefited from so all right thank you zach for taking time to join us yeah thanks for having me all right thank you zach for your time and ability to join our podcast and you know i talked to zach after the podcast a little bit one-on-one on our phone call and I told him, I said, man, I've never really even thought about considering becoming an ultra runner, but man, Zach sure does a good job of making it sound interesting and sounding like something that maybe someday look into. But for right now, I'm going to stick with my running distances for now. And he told me that he's very passionate about it. And as you can tell from his interview, it's pretty easy for him to try to persuade people into running those ultra races. So... Good job to you, Zach. A hundred miles in one day. I have a lot of respect for you. and thought it would make a really good story to have you here on the podcast. So get you a little exposure and have a good, cool story, interesting story, especially from a guy here from the northern lower Michigan area that's kind of close to home, too. So good job, Zach. Thank you for joining us. And we'll move into our cool-down session of our 10th episode. Once again, we're going to have our 25 rules to running. Today is rule number 5, and today is the two-day rule. So what they say with this rule is, if something hurts for two straight days while running, take two days off. It says two straight days of pain may signal the beginning of an injury. If something hurts for two weeks, even if you've taken your rest, They say that you should see a doctor. I agree with this rule. I have been way naive with this rule. For me, it's more than two days. It's got to be a couple days, like four or five. If something's really hurting, then I know that I have a significant injury. But sometimes my legs are just sore or whatever. I've been having a little ankle soreness the last two days. Tomorrow is supposed to be pretty crappy, so I think I'm going to take the day off anyway. But, yeah, I've had a little ankle soreness here the last couple days. It felt better today. I switched up my running from, I've been hitting the cement a lot, 
or pavement a lot. And so today I found some softer trails to go run, so it felt a little bit better. But I know something was starting to act up, and I wanted to change my training a little bit to see if that would fix it. I kind of had this issue before a few years ago, and I, I think I kind of know how to deal with it. But if it were to persist for a couple more days, then I definitely would have to take some time off because I know something isn't going right. So two days, I'd say, is definitely a start to knowing that maybe you might be on the way to an injury. My rule would be four to five, probably max. If it's persisted that long, then you definitely need to take time off. Now, I know some people like to be ahead of the game. Some people like to push things off a little bit. I'm probably, when it comes to injuries, I like to try to see if I can fix it or push it off until it really, really starts bothering me for more than a couple days. So that's all your discretion. They suggest two days. I suggest probably around four days. That's up to you. Just if it's persisted for more than a day, it's definitely something looking into for sure. We're going to move into our mile training tips. These two that I have this week are pretty interesting ones. The first one is to increase your stride turnover, and I think this is a really good point. And some of the things I did in college obviously helped with this, and we'll get into how to increase your stride turnover. But to run a mile, you have to run fast. Fastest way to do that and easiest way to do that is to increase your pace at which your legs turn over. So where I found it, they said the rate at which your feet hit the pavement is called your stride turnover. You can practice improving your stride turnover by learning how to take quicker steps and shorter steps to improve your pace. Most runners have a stride turnover that is too slow. Some coaches recommend reaching at a rate of 180 strides per minute, but they say in the article that sometimes that's not accurate depending on the person and whatever else. So it says to identify your current turnover rate, run at your current 5k pace and count the number of times your right foot hits the pavement for one minute. And then once that happens, then you want to take that number, double it, and that's how many times your that's what your turnover rate is. Now luckily for me, I've never had to do that. My watch is advanced enough that it calculates it for me tells it and I can just see it in an app. So depending on what watch you have, you might be able to see that in your statistics from your watch, but most of them, if you don't, then you already have a chance. You can do it by counting how many times your right foot hits the pavement within a minute. Now, a way to improve this so that way your turnover rate's faster and you can run a faster time in the mile is to do some interval training. Now, I mentioned last week doing some hill training which is good. I wouldn't say do it every week. I know me personally, it's about every other week I do some hill training. And then usually I get either, I usually either get tempo, hill, or some uh, interval training in within the week. Two out of the three. So some weeks it'll be, like I did Monday, I did some interval training. Sometime this week I'm going to do some hill training. And then next week it'll probably be tempo and interval and interval and hill. Just a mixture. So those three are all good to do. But interval for a mile is definitely important because, like we said, we need that sprint speed uh, to get you through a fast mile. So it says doing 200-meter sprints or 400-meter sprints, which I'm sure most of you are probably familiar. But if you're not familiar on a track, 200 meters is half a lap, 400 meters is a full lap. So they give a suggestion, I'm not really going to suggest whatever, but just do a few, at least, you know, if you're starting on a base, do, depending on what you're doing, if it's 200s, do 4 or 5, if it's 
400s, do two to three if you're starting out. If that feels too easy, you can always add a couple more on, but always at least give you equal rest, especially when you're starting out. So, you know, either jog another 200 or jog another 400. And um, obviously when you're doing your intervals, the, the, you should push for the one interval and then your recovery should be a little slower. So do a hard 400 and then do an easy 400. Let yourself recover. When you come back around, do another interval. So that's going to wrap it up here, guys, for this episode of the Believe in the Long Run podcast series. Once again, just going to hit the social media one more time. Believe in the Long Run on Instagram and the Long Run 5 on Twitter. Be sure to like, share, and comment on our social media. You can find our podcast series at Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Apple iTunes, and Believe.com. While you're there, if you enjoy the series, please subscribe. And back on our social media, if you have any comments or questions, they are more than welcome. Please share any thoughts you have on the podcast or anything you'd like to hear about on the podcast. I'm still working on, we're going to kind of continue with the guest appearances here on the podcast. So working on locking down another guest for the following coming weeks as well. So, all right, guys, that's going to wrap it up. Stay safe. Continue your running routines. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.